This episode of the Mountaineer Media Podcast is sponsored by Mr. B, the only potato chip made in the great state of West Virginia. Check out their products in your local grocery store or online at mrb.com. Investing in West Virginia's future is something a lot of people are doing, as we've learned on the podcast. Every day, people are finding a reason to look at the Mountain State as a place they want to do business. Whether it's because they fall in love with the friendly people, the unique places, or the beautiful rolling hills, West Virginia is becoming a destination that folks want to invest their money, time, and effort into. And today's guest is Tim Haig. He's the newest owner of the Alpine Lodge in downtown Davis, West Virginia, one of the coolest small towns in the United States. If you haven't been, you definitely need to check it out. A lot going on in the area. Now, Tim is a D.C. guy, but he says he fell in love with the beauty of West Virginia and wants to help build it up because of its uniqueness. So Tim comes to West Virginia not to extract anything, not really even to sell anything but hopefully inspire others to travel to the mountain state and fall in love with its beauty, just like he has. This is a great conversation with somebody who's investing their energy into making West Virginia a better place to live and work. We know you're gonna enjoy this conversation, so let's get to it right now. Mace, hit the music. shine in West Virginia, but the people always do. You know, I'll kind of start with just a, I'd love to hear a little bit of basic just understanding of a little bit who you are, what, what you've been up to. And then obviously we can segment into, you know, the stuff that you're doing in West Virginia um, from the emails that, you know, Blake sent over. It looks like you're up to some cool stuff and then kind of just go from there. If that's cool with you, usually it's 30, 40 minutes, if that's all right. Perfect. Yeah, it's great. No, it's fantastic. So, yeah, and I, <clears throat> I, I thought about this morning. I probably should have sent you guys over a little bit of the bio, um, which I can do subsequently. Um, yeah, so I grew up, I grew up in uh, Connecticut, in a small town in Connecticut, you know, just kind of in Fairfield County outside of New York City. Uh, went to college in Ohio, moved to D.C., right out of college, basically. I've been here. I've been here a long time. I've been here since 1986. So I've been here in D.C. a long time. Uh, spent, you know, the vast majority of my career working in commercial real estate. Uh, primarily in the brokerage business. I worked for a couple of firms and ran uh, the Collier's operation here in Washington for five years, which was you know, it's sort of one of the big four firms in the world. And, um, and it was great. I, I spent a lot of time representing big corporations, doing their work all over the country. So I traveled a lot. Uh, I think I did work in 85 of the top 100 cities and worked probably on every asset class you could imagine and uh, probably every transaction type you could think of. The only thing I ever did was multifamily development, which everybody in Washington has made, made a fortune doing. So uh, somehow I missed that memo. But it, uh, you know, it's been a, it's been a fun career. And about five years ago, I, I sort of reached a point where I was working for a big public company, and it was it was great company, but I was sort of ready to do something else, ready to do something entrepreneurial. And I really wanted to try to get I, I tried, wanted to try to move from sort of the sell side to the buy side, so to speak. I wanted to go from from the brokerage business to being more of an investor and a developer. Which, um, you know, which was, which was a great idea, and you know, it's still a work in progress. But um, you know, it's not. It's it, it. It would have probably been a lot easier to continue to do brokerage and just kind of, you know, chip away at it. But um, you know, you kind of got to do what you're interested in doing. And my, you know, my interests were aligning more with development and investment. So uh, I spent a couple of years working with uh, Kevin Plank's development company, Stackmore Development, up in Baltimore on the Port Covington project, which was, you know, sort of a great. Uh, experience and sort of all elements of the development business uh, in Baltimore, and then pivoted back to DC. And yeah, I spent, I was probably spent the last three years really focused on the hospitality side of the business okay. uh, with real, with a real focus on doing buying real estate and developing real estate in places uh, where I can do the things I like to do. Right. So, and it, it sounds sort of idealistic, but uh, you know, I like to play golf. I like to ski. Uh, you know, I like, I like fishing. I like being outside. And, um, you know, I sort of said, you know, for whatever reason, whether intentional or unintentional, uh, you know, my, my, my path sort of led me to some projects, which kind of met all those, those categories. Um, 
you know, and still working, still trying to put something together in the Bahamas, which is really cool. Still working on something in the, in the Berkshires in Western Massachusetts. Uh, and then got introduced to, to Tucker County, to Canaan Valley. It's probably been three and a half years, you know, time. COVID sort of makes everything. Uh, it's a time war. Disappear. Right? Doubles yeah. everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's terrible. But, uh, and that's one of the really refreshing things about West Virginia is that the approach to COVID has been a lot more measured. And I think a lot more reasonable, but, uh, you know, not, no, no politics, just, you know, it's kind of refreshing to get out to West Virginia where people are respectful of one another, but not, not caught up in sort of the mask, uh, the mask mandating. And anyway, so a good friend of mine, Todd Erdinson, who grew up in Vermont, big skier, uh, you know, telemark guy, kept telling me about this place in, uh, in West Virginia called Timberline Mountain. And yep. I, uh, you know, tree skiing and there's this and there's that and i said well that's really cool and it sounds really interesting and then it was about when timberline was going into bankruptcy and then subsequently did go into bankruptcy and i'd gone up to see it i'd gone up to see the area and then timberline went into bankruptcy and i said well heck you know uh, somebody's going to buy this why not us and so i i uh, got connected through i think through todd uh to the guys at pacific group that on winter green and wisp and we put our heads together and tried to figure out how to how to, how to purchase timberline uh, fortunately, we were unsuccessful because uh, those guys know an awful lot about uh, running or, uh, running ski areas and uh, and developing them. I didn't, and, uh, and 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 Timberline needed a really thoughtful steward with capital. And uh, the guys from Perfect North came in and bought it. Uh, you know, they paid a fair price for it, and they put an awful lot of money in. I don't know how much, um, but more importantly, they've really embraced the community up there. They've done a fantastic mm-hmm. job with the mountain. The skiing is great. The snowmaking is brand new. They've got two brand new Doppelmayr lifts. And uh, so, so it's really exciting to see what's happening. I think it's added a lot to that area. And, and again, that's kind of what brought me there. But when we were unsuccessful, it didn't sort of deter my interest in the area because I sort of felt like the reopening of Timberline was sort of the, I don't know, lack of a better word, the sort of reintroduction of that area as a, as a destination for outdoor activities, right? And so at the time we were sort of looking around at a variety of different things and, and the Alpine Lodge Hotel was, had been on the market for a while. It was owned by a nice family who'd had it for 10 years and we're ready to do something different. And finally, I just sort of looked at my wife and said, you know, if not now, never kind of like, if we don't, you know, this is a really good opportunity. It's a good investment. Uh, the hotel has been successful and I think there's a lot we can do with it. So uh, we jumped in and closed at the end of December. And uh, I brought a good friend of mine, Greg Downing, in to, 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 run the, to run the hotel. And we picked up another hotel to manage, the Unit Canaan, uh, for an investor named Steve White uh, out of Charleston. And so, you know, we're, 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 you know, we're trying to make our mark up in, in that area. So, it's, uh, so that's kind of how I got there, I guess. Wow, okay, Point yeah. Short question. Yeah, man, no, I love it. Now, tell me, when, so when you, your relation to West Virginia, had you spent substantial time in the state? Were you familiar with the different areas? Or as you just working throughout your career, like I know it's be, kind of become a D.C. playground for a lot of people with outdoors, like you said. Um, but yeah. maybe maybe what were some of the things that you thought about West Virginia before you started spending time and energy and money there? And maybe has anything changed or, you know, for the better in terms of your opinion now that you've been, you know, boots on the ground now for a while? Right. It's an interesting question. You know, the piece I left out of my, you know, my resume was for the first two years of my career, I sold Q-tips and Vaseline for uh, what okay. is now Unilever. And, uh, okay. and my territory included West Virginia. And right. I specifically sold to a wholesaler down in Bluefield, West Virginia, which was, that was the only guy kind of down there. And uh, <laughs> so that was kind of my first introduction to West Virginia in Bluefield. Oh, gotcha. uh, you know, and then my wife's from Kentucky. So we've driven through the state and you know, had the good fortune to stop at the Green Bar and the Homestead. But Beyond that, not really. Hadn't really, um, I think like a lot of people, didn't really understand that, you know, West Virginia is as big a state as it is. Uh, it's, you know, every every place in the state is sort of, it's, it takes a long time to get places because, you know, the, the, it's kind of the beauty of the state, right? You got those mm-hmm. country roads and it sounds kind of cliche, but, uh, you know, I don't think people understand how, you know, how sort of vast it is and how many different areas in the state there are and, and uh the thing I didn't understand was, and so Todd kind of kicked me into this was, you know, with this, with the opening of Porter H, the Senator Byrd Highway, what used to be a three hour and 40 minute drive from DC is now two hours. I mean, it takes me 225 from my house in Georgetown. So, uh, you know, that's a real game changer. And um, so that's kind of what got me out there. And, you know, there was no real, like, there was no real pull other than 
when I got out there, I saw sort of a really unique uh, combination of things, which is you've got 150,000 acres in Tucker County in, in, in the valley. You've got 150,000 acres of protected land, right? Between state parks, you know, fish and wildlife. Uh, you're, you know, the town sits at 3,100 feet. The average daily temperature is 15 degrees lower than it is in DC. There's, there's all these things that are really like compelling. And yet if I sit, you know, if I go to a, you know, cocktail party or whatever in DC and I asked 25 people if they've ever heard of Davis or Thomas, you know, it's usually one person who's kind of been out there. So it's really interesting. And I don't, I don't think that, you know, we didn't, we didn't go to West Virginia to, to like then to try to attract the other 24 to come. Um, but it's just sort of interesting that uh, I think people, you know, a lot of people aren't nearly as, as familiar with West Virginia as, uh, as they should be. Yeah. And Davis and Thomas kind of those unique areas that once you go though, it's memorable, right? You remember it for a lifetime. You don't forget. Yeah. CJ, we've got big news here at Mountaineer Media. Mr. B Chips has agreed to stay on board and remain our presenting sponsor for all of 2022. That's easily the best news of 2022 so far. I'm a little biased. I get it. But no, this is huge news for us. And Marianne Kettleson is the CEO of Mr. B Potato Chip, the only potato chip made in the great state of West Virginia. So Marianne, thank you for believing in us. We certainly believe in what you and Mr. B is doing as a whole. And Cooper, Marianne, just like one of the coolest people out there, right? We've spoken with her on a handful of occasions. She's ultra supportive, but she's just like this down to earth, chill person, the queen bee, as we like to say. He's an absolute rock star, guys. Check him out, MrB.com. Find them in your local grocery store. We're so, so uh, proud and supportive of Mr. B because they believe in us and they believe in West Virginia. Cooper, there are a couple of things in life that you really just like can't mess up. You really have to nail it on the head, like buying a car, buying a home, buying an engagement ring, something that you and producer Mason Jack just went through. And both of you guys just bought your rings from one of the most trusted jewelry stores in all of West Virginia, and they are now a proud sponsor of Mountaineer Media, Calvin Royals Jewelry. And Cooper, that was a great decision that you made going to them to buy that ring, wasn't it? It absolutely was. It was a little stressful, but I tell you what, once I walked into the doors at Calvin Royals, I went to their South Charleston location, and look, they made it so easy. I was not put under any pressure. I was informed. It was fun. It was uplifting. It was all about creating the best experience for me buying it, but also with my fiance in mind. They listened to me, and I ended up getting a great piece of jewelry, and I think you can too. Anybody listening can go to South Charleston, Taze Valley, or Beckley. Go in there and see Calvin Royals. Mention Mountaineer Media, and I'm they're going to get a little smile across their face because they're investing right back in West Virginia. They even have something called the Horton West Virginia Collection and money that comes from that goes towards a scholarship for West Virginia students. So they believe in West Virginia just like we do. Calvin Royals Jewelers, proud partner of Mountaineer Media. Yeah, you can check them out online. They also have stores in Beckley, Takes Valley, and like Cooper said, South Charleston. So check them out online, check them out in stores. But Calvin Broyles Jewelry, proud sponsor of Mountaineer Media. So, so what else makes that part of West Virginia um, unique and, and valuable in a sense of why invest in those portions of West Virginia and why invest in West Virginia at all? You didn't have to, you know, there are other places to ski, hunt, fish, but you, you picked Tucker County, West Virginia, like you said, the highway definitely helps travel in and out. But what, what else about West Virginia makes it so valuable and to, you know, for, for investors looking to, to kind of dive into that market? Well, I think, I think that, good question. I think that you've, um, you know, I think that if, if like if, from a DC perspective, if I sit in DC and say, where can I go on the weekends in under three hours, right? Yeah. It's a fairly limited uh, number of places. You can go to the beach, which is, crowded and expensive. You can go to the Northern Neck, which is beautiful, but pretty hot in summer. Uh, you can go down to sort of the Shenandoah Mountains, and, and that's beautiful too. But, uh, you know, D.C. is a, I don't know, six and a half million in a MSA at this point with Baltimore, a lot more than that. So, um, you know, I think that, you know, the reason to invest, I think, was because we feel like as this area continues to grow, as people look for places to get away, and whether just to visit or own a second home, uh, that's, you know, 
I think there's as much opportunity for growth in, uh, in Tucker County as there is anywhere. And then, mm-hmm. you know, I think what's the other interesting piece is, you know, the folks from Western Pocahontas, um, you know, who are a big uh, timber minerals uh, owner investor have I think, somewhere between 15, 75,000 acres between Grant and Tucker County. And, you know, between what they're trying to do, bring the Virgin Hyperloop to the area with WVU and just their, you know, I think their long-term plans for, um, you know, creating place up there, uh, I think is really interesting. I, you know, I spent one of the, one of the stops in my career was with a company called Advantis and we were a subsidiary of the St. Joe company and St. Joe was the largest landowner in the state of Florida. We had a million and a half acres of land. And, uh, you know, the, the concept there was a lot of that land was out on the panhandle. What's now watercolor kind of out there. And, uh, so their business strategy was to sell the timberland, sell the mineral land, and then take that money, invest them into uh, real estate office buildings uh, in 1031 exchanges, and then take debt out and, and reinvest in, in that West Coast of Florida, which is what they did. So, you know, it's, it's, sort, of a, it's sort of a similar story to what, um, you know, I think, I, I don't know the Western Pocahontas guys yet. I'm looking forward to meeting them, but I think, you know, they've got the same opportunity with their holdings. Um, to really create some special places out there. So, uh, you know, you, you always, you know, it's sort of, you, you want to tag along with, uh, with people who are smarter than you are. Uh, hey, yeah. That's the secret to success. I think. can't be the smartest guy in the room. though. <laughs> yeah. that, that, you're in the wrong room. But Tim, right. you, you had a good point too, that I thought, you know, COVID changed. I think COVID is a game changer and it has the potential to be a, a really uh, silver lining for West Virginia, because I, I think culture, society, you know, what we want and desire out of like our leisure and our travel is changing a little bit. I think the remote mountain stay, the ski, the, the backpacking trip, the hunting, the, the get out in fresh air. I think there was a renaissance connection with COVID because we all had to literally stay apart from each other with COVID that I think West Virginia, you could argue maybe is the best positioned state to kind of capture that sentiment of like, hey, here's some space, here's some property for personal property ownership for, you know, all the, the biking, the hunting, all the things we've mentioned. Um, so from that perspective, I, I completely agree. I think it's a, it's a trend. Um, but I also am interested in your thoughts on, you know, like real estate, like for in my opinion, and again, my opinion, my personal opinion, West Virginia is, I think if you look at it, like, how can we build a metropolis? How can we get hundreds of thousands of people to here to there? That's, that's a, that's dead in the water, never going to happen. I think literally because of, like you mentioned earlier, the geography of the state, like we live in and out of mountains, right? There's valleys. Like, it's just a literally, yeah, you literally <laughs> can't get that many people together. So with that in mind, all right, so think about geography is like one layer of it, knowing that that is a physical barrier but an opportunity and what makes it attractive Two, in my opinion what that means for tourism real estate and like micro town you know economic development is that you have cities like davis thomas and you know the lewisburg examples of fayettevilles are have become meccas of outdoor travel in west virginia but you have those pocket towns like thomas and davis and whatnot I think for macro West Virginia economy, if we embrace that, like, hey, we're not going to have a giant, maybe center epicenter like you have in like in D.C. of, you know, sky rises and buildings and commercial real estate that's just, you know, all stacked up onto each other. I think I think the state, if it positions itself as that East Coast, Colorado, as each town has a unique story, you know, the barista at the local you know, coffee shop, you can go down, you can stay at your hotel, you can zip up to, you know, Timberline in 25 minutes. Like, I think if we embrace that and that, that is like, it's a few things. It's culturally, it's, it's like a mindset and it, it plays out physically in how we lay out real estate. And I'm sure that's something that, you know, you've thought about your entire career, like the physical flow of the area and how that determines real estate. Um, so I, I think I think you're spot on with, with your assessment and your investment, because I think it, 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 if it's going to be West Virginia's future, I tend to think it's going to be in, in that kind of vein, if all that made sense. Yeah, no, it's great. I think um, uh, I think, you know, you're right. And it, and it sort of it, it really resonates and it hits on kind of all the all the things that, 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 that Greg and I and my wife Beth have sort of looked at and said, this is this is a really cool place. And. Um, there are limiting factors, right? There's no, I guess, you know, you want to call it airlift, you want to call it airport. Um, you know, I guess the closest airport to, to Davis and Thomas is Elkins, right? And that's not a, you know, that's not, it's not a regional hub by any means. So, um, and that's, you know, that's going to, that probably in the long run, maybe not someday, but in the near term, 
you know, you're not going to get that big, you know, move of office users or, um, you know, it, I don't think it grows that fast because, you know, people need to be, people who work in sort of, you know, uh, professional industries need, need access to, to airports. Um, now, now COVID did change anything, everything and sort of, uh, I'd like to think I looked like I was prescient because I, uh, I started pivoting away from leasing and selling office space before COVID, but, uh, <laughs> but certainly the last two years, leasing and selling office has been hard. And I think that the jury's still out on what's going to happen. So I think you're right. What, 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 what we, you know, they're definitely COVID. I think COVID blew up the, the, the Tucker County and Canadian Valley. I think a lot of people moved up there. They were in houses, they bought houses. Clearly uh, real estate prices have gone up a lot. I don't know that they've gone up as much as they have in some other places, which I don't fully understand, but, um, but I think you're right. I think that, you know, people are, people have sort of changed the way they think about how they work and where they work and what's important. And the idea of, uh, you know, having a, a small, you know, a tiny house in Thomas and being able to hop on your mountain bike at one o'clock in the afternoon after a conference call, uh, you know, down through Blackwater Canyon and come back and, you know, take a quick shower and get back at it uh, is really interesting. And so, um, I, you know, that's kind of what, as we think about how, you know, what's our plan for renovating and, and expanding the hotel, um, incorporating that idea of kind of uh, a work-play balance, like, hey, you know, don't, Timberline has done great. They're really crowded on the weekends. So is Canaan Valley. So it was Whitegrass. I mean, you know, it's, it's pretty busy. Why don't you come out Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, stay for two nights, ski from nine to two, come back, go into our, uh, our co-working environment and crank it out for three or four hours, you know, and, uh, and then go sit by the fire pit or something. Like, I think that's, I think you're hitting on it. And, you know, you guys are obviously younger than I am, but my kids are 25 and that's the kind of thing that resonates with them. The stuff that probably resonated with me when I was your age, uh, you know, living in a big city, going out to happy hour three nights a week. I don't know that it's different and it's good different. So, uh, yeah, I think you're, you're dead on there. Well, so, go ahead. So take us maybe even deeper into that level of thinking that you, you were just kind of touching on. What is the future of the Alpine Lodge, but then Davis itself, you know, what's the five, no, I don't need your five, 10 year, 15 plan, but you know, what are the, the big ideas that you guys are brainstorming of, okay, this is what we've got now. This is where we right. want it to go. How do we get there for people? Like you just said, 25, 26, 27 year olds that are going to be and end up using your lodge probably more than anybody else over the next 10 years. How, what, yeah. where, you know, what's the future look like uh, for you guys? And, and then even just the Davis and, you know, Thomas area. Yeah. So, I mean, have you guys been to the Billy up in uh, Davis or been to the Billy, Billy motel? Uh, no. It's, mm -mm. it's a 10 room motel with a really cool kind of mixology bar and a great restaurant. And it's got a kind of a mid-century modern vibe and Joy has done an incredible job. Um, but it's the kind of place that, you know, your 27 year old hipster for lack of a better description <laughs> kind of wants to hang out. And, and, yeah. they, and uh, so I think for us, I mean, we don't, you know, First, first of all, we don't want to copy Joy because she's created something cool. Um, but we do want to try to attract, look, we've got a really dedicated group of people who come all the time. We've been coming there for 20 years. We like the fact that it's an affordable, casual, simple hotel that they can, you know, that they can come in and they can put their money mountain bike on, you know, in their room and, and whatnot. So we've got to be really careful that. Uh, and then we've also got, you know, during the week we have, you know, probably 10 out of 46 rooms are rented to guys who are working up at Dominion at the power plant, who are working at the Matiki mine, or who are, you know, who are doing construction in the area. So, you know, those guys are important to us because they're, and I say guys only because it's mostly guys, um, you know, because, you know, during the week, especially in the winter, it's not very busy up there. So, um, you know, we've got to figure out that balance. We've got 46 rooms. Uh, they all, you know, they all are in, you know, good shape. You know, the bathrooms are in good shape. We've got a we just need to redo them. We need to put in new floors, new mattresses, new linens, new curtains, things like that. Not, not a crazy, you know, we're not trying to go from, uh, you know, a day's end to a, to a Ritz. We're trying to, you know, we're trying to upgrade the quality of our rooms and, and, and subsequently increase the price of those rooms. That's, that's important to us. We have three cottages right now that were built in 1947. They're really cool. And they're two, they're kind of two better. They're kind of, they're two better, uh, kind of a, a, a dormer type second floor. And we want to, um, we're going to renovate those. And we think we can add somewhere between six, eight or 10 uh, additional cottages. We've, you know, we've looked at a variety of different styles and we'd like to do, we'd like to do something that's more in sort of keeping with, you know, whatever the architectural theme is in Davis. And I don't know that it's fully defined, but 
and everything was sort of built in the late 1800s, early 1900s, a lot of white clapper front porch, kind of West Virginia, right? You see a lot of that in West Virginia. Mm-hmm. So you see that four and a half Sears home with, uh, with the front porch, which I think, uh, you know, introduces sort of that idea of community around, uh, you know, around the fire pit of the campfire. So, you know, for us, if we can add, you know, if we can add six, eight or 10 of those at, with two bedrooms, you know, two bedroom bath, one bath, kitchen, living room, fireplace, you know, that's fantastic for that person who wants to get out of DC for a couple of days and, and, uh, and, you know, live, work, play. And so, and then we've got a main house that uh, is a four bedroom house that we're going to renovate. And, and that, you know, we sort of, we, we, we kind of want to convert that into some sort of club community center where, you know, people can come and have a drink where maybe people can use it for meetings during the day uh, and where it has some rooms upstairs and sort of all of that, you know, we've got 2.86 acres right there uh, on 32, right in the heart of Davis. So we, you know, we really think there's a huge opportunity to do destination weddings and other events, uh, whether it's a St. Patrick's Day party or yeah. Octoberfest. And so I that's, like that. I think that, that's a really kind of important piece of our plan. And, uh, you know, so you've got the ideas, you've got, you know, the bride's family staying in the main house and the bridesmaids and the groomsmen are staying in the cottages and all the guests are staying in the, in the rooms. And then we've got a, you know, we've got a piece of land on the property where we, we're going to try to put up, a, you know, a, a good sized tent that might accommodate 150 people. And so that's kind of the idea, right? And, and, and we sort of feel like, you know, Davis right now is going through this sort of short-term rental moratorium, uh, which is, you know, it's got everybody up in arms and, um, you know, I understand it because it's, it's, it's happening everywhere, right? Homeowners are, are kind of tired of uh, having a new group of people come in every weekend and party. So, um, you know, what we want to be is, is sort of contributing to the community. But we view, you know, we view the short-term rental thing as a positive, um, you know, even though we might benefit from, from a moratorium because we're a hotel, right? But I think anything that brings more people to these areas, um, you know, is good for the businesses that are in those in those towns, and obviously COVID's been really hard on uh, on the restaurants in Davis and Thomas and elsewhere. So, um, you know, we, we sort of feel like just getting back to the, the weddings and events. We sort of feel like uh, if we can, you know, if we can create the right uh, physical environment, we can really do some fun stuff. And uh, yeah. and I yeah. guess I think you hit on it, which is, you know, people want. This has always been my philosophy in life, but it's not about what you accumulate. It's what, about what you experience. Right. So people want experiences. They want to, you know, they want to come up and take an inflatable, you know, stand up paddleboard down the Blackwater river, or they want to, you know, get 20 of their pals and get in tubes with a cooler beer and go down a river or whatever. You know what I mean? So I think that's what we're trying as we, you know, as we're developing our website and our story, that's sort of the theme, which is, you know, come to, you know, come to the Alpine Lodge and have a, you know, have a blast, have a great experience. Yeah. Yeah, just well, make hey, sure to tie the tubes together because if the that cooler of beer just starts floating away, yeah, then the day gets ruined. So tie the tubes together. <laughs> well, Tim, done, I've been I've been walking along the Blackwater this winter, and uh, yeah, can't tell if it's a good one to float. They say the cheat's probably better, right? Cheat's a good yeah. one. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a little steadier. Yeah. <laughs> so. And you really want to get ventures, go down the New River, and then you really be <laughs> hanging on out of the gully. PJ, when we see other West Virginia companies pouring their heart and soul into the Mountain State, it really does fire us up. And our sponsor, Building Appalachia, man, I tell you, they're doing exactly that. Go ahead and tell the listeners what exactly Building Appalachia does. Well, if you're looking to buy or sell a home in Kanawha, Putnam, or Cabell counties, definitely reach out to Building Appalachia, buildingappalachia.com. Jordan Christ and Jacob Skinner, we had them on the podcast. They're genuine guys, and they just want to make this part of West Virginia better. They want to connect people with their perfect home, or they want to renovate a home and connect it with who somebody that it might be their perfect home, the next family that moves in there. So find these guys online, buildingappalachia.com. And if you're looking to buy or sell a home in Kanawha, Putnam, or Cabell counties, these are the guys that you need to get connected with. But Timmy, I want to drill down something because you brought up a good point. And it's something that I've been, it's been toying in my mind how to express it. And I think this is the perfect opportunity is that, you know, we, you know, we share a ton of content on social media, right? TikTok, LinkedIn, Facebook, all this type of stuff. A lot of our audience is native West Virginians. Some of them are folks like yourself, maybe that aren't necessarily born and raised in the state and living and working in the state, but have come to appreciate love and invest their time, energy, and money into the state. 
what I see developing and is not developing, but existing is that we'll get feedback from sometimes, you know, in, in comment sections or whatever of West Virginians that are fearful that influx of, you know, new people, new ideas or whatever might change West Virginia. It might take their grandfather's hunting land and turn it into something that maybe is a Disney world, if you will, something like that. There is an underlying sentiment that is expressed by West Virginians. And I think I would say rightfully so, right? Like no one wants to have, no one wants to feel like what is great and beautiful about West Virginia all of a sudden gets changed and, you know, updated and modified. And then all of a sudden it loses its charm. So I, I liked hearing what you said. And again, this is unsolicited advice, the best kind of advice there is, right? But but I liked what you said because I was listening closely that you were you were studying the architecture of Davis and you were conscious of that, even with down to building a front porch, which, you know, again, like you said, promotes community, it promotes conversation, it promotes people being open and flowing into in and out of houses and properties and fire pits and that sort of thing. So first of all, I love that. Second of all, I would just encourage you to continue that that sentiment because I think there is a real opportunity there to really strike the the hearts of the, of the people that you want in your community by saying, hey, look, we're here investing time, energy, money. We don't want to tell you what what you all want or what what society wants or different. We want to just showcase showcase and curate the authentic West Virginia experience. And you know, we quote unquote ask your partnership in doing that of the community. I think that businesses entertainment groups, you know, experience driven companies that that understand that, wait a second, like, let's not come in and just assume we know best, but let's actually talk to the people of West Virginia, and then work with them and then maybe introduce them to new things. Sure. But at least appreciate that. I think if you execute on that, if you, if that's like a mindset that you have over the next couple of years, as you execute in West Virginia, you'll be embraced with open arms more than you could imagine. Because I think one last note is I think there is an underlying, a little bit of frustration with native West Virginians. And, you know, I can proudly say, right. I speak fluent Appalachian is that <laughs> our state has been, you know, we, we've basically been treated as a third world country in terms of economics for quite a while. Coal has been extracted out of West Virginia and left sometimes people now holding the bag of, of what's left of it, right? We've, West Virginia people are willing and hardworking and able to sacrifice and, and do the things, but there is sometimes this underlying sentiment that people just come and extract and then for their best good. Maybe not for the pe maybe not the whole of West Virginia gets to keep pace with the benefits of development, right? So I think I think you're on the right track and I think you're you're doing it actually. So I say that in the in the politest way. But I, I think that's a huge piece that if West Virginia can develop, if you you're really going to get embraced if you come in and say, hey, like let me literally be, you know, boots on the ground. Let me talk to these people. What are some of the things that you guys want to see, don't want to see, that sort of thing. Um, so I'm really glad to hear that you all are taking that approach. And I think, I think you couldn't be more spot on. Yeah, no, that's, that's, I mean, look, that's a great reminder. And, uh, you know, look, I was fortunate to be raised in, in a way that, you know, everybody put their shoes on the same way. And, and uh, so, uh, and worked a lot of jobs growing up that, you know, I, I, you know, got to know people from all walks of life. And, and so I think that you're absolutely right. I mean, I, and, and I, I think that, I don't, I don't see, I don't, I wouldn't call it a chip on the shoulder by any means in West Virginia. I mean, I got to tell you, the people, the locals, the people who live in Davis and Thomas and in, in uh, you know, Mount Storm, um, the people that work with us and for us at the Alpine are incredibly nice people. Everybody I've met is incredibly nice. And I'm not, and I'm not talking about the guy with the weekend home out in Canaan uh, who's driving up in his Range Rover. I'm talking about, um, you know, the people who are from there and who, you know, Many of whom have still have Eastern European names from back in the, you know, in the small mill in the coal days. So, oh, yeah, sure. um, and so, I, you know, it's been, it's been really interesting. And I think there, you know, I think when you talk about sort of that experience, like, number one, I think you're absolutely right. I think that, you know, we need, you know, we need to keep listening. And because the last thing we want to do is, is, you know, renovate this hotel in a way that it, you know, all it does is cater to, um, you know, rich Washingtonians. Interestingly aside, um, you know, when people come in, you know, I've been trying to work in the office some, and when people do come in to check in or check out, I try to ask them where they're from. And, and amazingly, I, I would think the vast majority of people would be from D.C., but it's amazing how many people are coming from D.C., uh, Baltimore, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Columbus, a lot of Indianapolis this year because, uh, because of the perfect North guys, Roanoke, 
uh, Richmond, Virginia Beach. So it's really interesting that there's a real, uh, you know, it's a real mix to where people come from. Uh, you know, that, 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 um, you know, that being said, so we've got to, you know, we definitely have to be thoughtful. And I think that our approach is, look, we want, we don't want, and I, you know, I could pick on anybody, but let's pick on Hilton Head, right? I don't, I would hate to see as, as much potential as there is for development in Tucker County, right? I would hate to see all of a sudden you've got Hilton Head, right? A bunch of, you know, four-story condominiums, 32 golf courses. I mean, like, that's not, that's not why we're there. I mean, and that may sound self-serving, but it's not like we just, that's what, what I think makes the area unique is there's, there is enough, there's enough ingrained culture in the area. And a lot of it's, you know, it's around family, it's around deer hunting, you know I mean? And, uh, mm-hmm. and I think those are things we want to embrace, not ignore. And, uh, and, and I think what's unique is that the, the towns, the town that we, you know, Davis, Thomas and Penane are all sort of unique. And, um, you know, but the towns have character. They have personality. Thomas is more of an arts community, right? And I think that can be expanded upon. I think, I think you know, the effort to renovate the opera house there is is really important. Um, I think that could lead to, you know, whether whether you want to call it summer stock or summer music or music and, and acting camps. I mean, I just think there are a lot of really cool things you could do, which aren't like let's go build a bunch of condos and a bunch of golf courses right. and a bunch of pickleball courts. Although we, yeah. we would like to we'd like to build a, a couple of pickleball courts because. It's the fastest growing sport in America. Honestly, pickleball, pickleball is Underrated? so much fun. I've never I mean, it. it is. It is so much. I'll tell you what. I play a little pickleball here in Charleston. Pickleball is one of the unique sports. It does not matter your age. You'll go down to the community center and get your ass kicked by some 65-year-old man that's been playing pickleball for a couple of years, and you'll look like a fool. Just because you're in your 20s doesn't mean jack. So pickleball is one of those sports, man. It's a lot of fun for everybody. Yeah. Cooper, you haven't played? I have not played pickleball. No, I've seen. I, I I would agree that I've seen it. Like I feel like I've seen it pop up more and more. People playing it, but it was like a combo of like tennis and like racket or racquetball. It's a wiffle, and wiffle ball, like you know the wiffle ball you used to buy yeah. five, five and, uh, <laughs> paddle. And you're, but you're right. Anybody. The beauty of it is anybody can play it. Like you could have never played a racket sport before and pick it up. And and I only played a few times, but I played with a guy who was like a college tennis player, and it was an incredible equalizer. It's not you can't yes. Anyway, that's. That's a great I, I, think I think there's a lot of things you could do. I think there are th- look, there are things that, that Davis and Thomas and Kinane need. They need more indoor activities for, um, you know, for, for families, right? Not just families coming in, but families who live there. And that's, you know, that's talking uh, with Jessica Waldo, who heads up the Convention and Visitors Bureau for the county. I mean, you know, there are things they need. Um, you know, part of that requires critical mass. So, but I think, yeah, back, just back to the, you know, I, I was thinking about it in getting ready for this call. And I was thinking, what's the, you know, what's the economic driver that could really make a difference in this part of the state or the state overall? Because, you know, coal is going away, whether you, you know, whether you think that's right or wrong. Um, I think, you know, I think Senator Manchin has been an incredible uh, cheerleader for the state uh, over the past year and been a real steward for the state. Um, so I think, you know, the state's getting a lot of attention, the question, and that's good attention, right? And I think that it, it really is about discovering the outdoors. So the question is, what can you do what other things can you do to bring industry up to um, that area? You know, we've got, you know, I've got some nutty ideas, which, my, you know, my wife and partner look at me and say, you know, that's a nutty idea. But, um, you know, I think that the, shoot, the hunting is a big deal up there, but there's not a lot of upland game shooting in that area because in 1979, there was a massive ice storm freeze and all the grouse and woodcock died. So, you know, is there an industry to reintroduce those birds into the environment? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of an interesting thing. You're, you're creating an opportunity for hunters to go out and hunt up with birds, but you're also creating an opportunity for farmers to raise birds. So I just think it's that kind of maybe a little bit off the wall thinking. Um, I, I, and again, I, I guess the other thing I was going to say, Google, is the biggest challenge, and this is not just, you know, the building apple that you guys will tell you, um, the Mons towns. I mean, anybody will tell you the biggest challenge in West Virginia right now uh, is workforce housing, right? And and uh, you know, workforce housing and availability of labor. And availability of labor is probably, a, 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 I think both those issues are pretty much nationwide right now. And, and um, you know, I think that uh, Steve Lai from uh, Tucker County Economic Development is doing a, a good job trying to come up with solutions. Um, you know, there are some guys, there are some people in town who want to invest in workforce housing, but um, you know, the challenge is, you know, the more people who move in and buy or they 
vacation home and displace someone who's, who's either living in a home they own or one that they rent um, creates a real problem, right? And so that needs to be figured out. And then, you know, how do you attract, I mean, I think how do, the other question is how do you attract people who want to work at um, building things uh, in the service side businesses? How do you attract them to move to West Virginia? I was talking to somebody yesterday and there is a program, and I could check my notes down, and they picked three towns, Lewisburg, Shepherdstown, and one other. And it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a program to encourage people to move to West Virginia. And the challenge they found is they moved, and they moved all these people to West Virginia. I moved some people, like, you know, moved here for the lifestyle, but then they couldn't find places to live. So, you know, that's a challenge. Um, so, but I, you know, I think, I think these, are, these are good challenges, right? Mm-hmm. You're uh, right. No, you're spot on. I mean, there. I don't know if the program you're referring to is the Ascend West Virginia by Brad Smith. That's exactly uh, right. yes. Yeah, yeah we, we we had him on the podcast and asked him directly. And, you know, again, it was, it was met with some local West Virginians saying, well, it's like, you know, because they're paying the people to come here. I, I tend to I agree with you is that I think West Virginia, we really can't afford to say, oh, we're not going to introduce maybe even an off the wall idea because we just we need new diverse ideas. We need an influx of entrepreneurs and innovators and things like that. Um, I, I agree. I, I think it's, you know, if you could dream up the ideal person, it's like you were saying, you were painting the picture of like a Google, you know, 31 year old Google executive who could probably do 95% of his work remote. Yeah. It would be great to live in a nice like cabin outside of West Virginia and walk down the street and get, you know, go to the butcher and get coffee and you know, all these things, but it's like, you need the infrastructure, it, the whole, you know, if you mm-hmm. build it, they'll come thing. It, it's, it's a balance, right? It's, it's hard to know which one comes first and who's going to make the investment into building it first to get that person there. Um, and I think, I think you're right too. The Hilton head example is that it, I don't know if bastardizing is the right word, if that's even a word, but like it, we don't want it to become just like, like I said earlier, like a Disneyland of the culture. Like, like you go there, it's almost like, well, damn, it's like every inch of this has become commercialized to like optimize the, the lay of the land. And then it kind of loses that, like, wow, we just stumbled in this cute little yes. cold town. It feels like we're yeah, just walking yeah, through exactly. like a Disney world theme park set. It's just like, well, this is not real. Right. So it, it's tough. It, it's a yeah. tough balance between development but also keeping that authenticity. And I don't know if there's ever a right answer to that question. I think it's always just a constant effort of trying to keep that balance in mind. I think when people ignore that, that's when you get over-indexed into overdeveloped and it loses the culture and then the local people don't like it and then it's too expensive. And I think that's if you just straight up ignore that, that concept, so. TJ, when I'm cooking dinner, I, at this point in the evening, I've got little mental capacity left. So something that has really improved my life and made cooking dinner a breeze is using Raised Rub. Now, Raised Rub is a true all-purpose seasoning that's packed full of mouth-watering herbs and spices, 21 of them to be exact. Yeah, it's like a mouthful of flavor when that chicken, pork, or vegetables get in your mouth. When you take that first bite with raised rub sprinkled on top, or if you seasoned it beforehand, it's just like, boom, punches you right in the mouth. It's it's a delicious taste. You can get it on Raised Rub's website or amazon.com, and they'll just ship it right to your door, man. Brody Prudnick was a former guest. We had him on. He was awesome, and he oversees the Raised Rub operation based out of Morgantown. But, uh, man, this is a West Virginia company to its core, and we are loving to be proud partners with Razor Up Cooper. Order Razor Up today. DJ, one of the things that you just gotta have in life is a J-O-B. And if you're in West Virginia, I think the best place you can go is Mountaineer Employment Solutions. Now they're a premier talent acquisition agency. So that means if you're a small business, they can help you get employees. Or if you're just looking for a job, Mountaineer Employment Solutions can help you do that. Hold on, Cooper. I'm writing that down. You said J-O-B. Oh, job. Yeah, sorry. I'm not great at spelling. That took me a second to get there. But yeah, definitely. Mountaineer Employment Solutions is the way to go if you're looking for a job or for a company that, you know, if you need staffing for your company, definitely check those guys out. You can find them online. Beamountaineer.com. That's beamountaineer.com. Bill Carter found this company. He's an awesome guy and he's going to hook you up. He's going to, he's genuine, man. He just wants to help people, especially West Virginia businesses. So go check them out. Mountaineer Employment Solutions. You can find them online at beamountaineer.com or find either of their locations in person in Morgantown and in South Charleston. I love it, man. We'll, we'll wrap up with yeah. a little bit of golf talk. I'd love to, you said you were a golfer. I think West Virginia golf is sneaky underrated. I'm a golf obsessed person myself. 
Um, there's some really good courses throughout West Virginia, so we'll have to go out sometime. We're actually kind of toying with the idea of doing an annual tournament that we'd, we'd like to get, you know, maybe raise funds for, do like a West Virginia kind of championship kind of deal. We had a suit maker on our podcast who said he'd make us a West Virginia themed like jacket. And how sick would that be if somebody wins it every year, they win like a, like a jacket, we put them on them on the 18th green. So yeah. that's some, some of our big picture ideas. No, sign me up for that. Um, yeah, no, I'm a, yeah, I don't play much golf anymore, but I, you know, I'm a lifelong golfer and, uh, and my, uh, you know, I spent about, I spent 15 years in the first tee of Washington board. And uh, I saw that. And yeah, I, yeah. And then I was one of the founding board members for National Links Trust. And we just took over the uh, three public golf courses in DC, which are East Potomac, Langston and Rock Creek, you know, all, yep. you know, all of which have really interesting pedigree uh, for different reasons. And so we were really lucky to put together a, a bid. Um, uh, Mike McCartney and Will Smith started a thing called National Links Trust. I joined up with them to put this proposal in and, uh, we won and we signed a 50-year ground lease with the Park Service, uh, wow. which is awesome. The good, that's the good news. The bad news is we've got to raise, I don't know, 30 or 40 million bucks to, <laughs> to renovate these courses. But, uh, no, I think, I think look, the, the game has given me a lot. Um, I think that's a great idea. Uh, I, you know, I have, I have, I've only played the course at Canaan, which is fun. Uh, I want to get up to Pikewood, which I hear is great. Uh, and I'd like to play Pete Dye at some point. Uh, and I played, sure. I guess, with the uh, old white. But um, and I'm sure there are some great courses that I've never heard of. Uh, I think there's one in Morgantown that's supposed to be pretty darn good too. Well, there's the uh, Pines. If you can get on Pikewood, you like yeah. bring me with you because that's like yeah. the most like that's like the most <laughs> protected. I'm really yeah. good at that stuff, Coop. I'm really good at figuring out how to how to play hey, golf. So I, that's I love my, it. That's on my lips today. <laughs> yeah, man, because Pikewood is, I mean, they say it could host, I mean, it's its tour level quality. The problem is that it's literally just on the top of a mountain and it's ultra private and it's tough to get up to. But yeah. but it, it's the most pristine course in West Virginia, hands down. Like it's a top, you it's guys a top need 100. To that, right? you need to I know, man. We, we've tried. Then, I'm sure we'll, we'll, host the, uh, we'll host the fundraiser there. Yeah, 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 that would be amazing. Now that man. would be uh you help us, Tim. If you've got some crazy got some weight with the first T stuff, man. If we if we team I, up on this, like we can yeah, make that no, happen. I've got that's that's good. Um, you know, we're one of the things we're doing, I just uh, on that kind of note, we're we we got we're a little bit involved with the uh, West Virginia Interscholastic Cycling League, which I don't know okay. have, you, have you guys talked to them? Have you met them? Uh-uh. Mm. Um it's a really cool. So it was I think there was an article in either a men's journal or outside magazine about it. Uh, and it was basically the, the high school mountain bike racing. And it was sort of started because, you know, there were a lot of families that were affected by opioids and meth. And, uh, you know, this was a way to get kids either out of their family situation, which was tough or, or their own issues. Uh, and this thing, I, I don't know, I'll connect you with the folks there, but, you know, they, yeah. they've got three events a year. They're doing an event in, uh, in Canaan in August. And uh, it's a really cool program. And, uh, I think there's stuff like that, which, you know, there's just, there's really neat stuff happening all around the state. And uh, because it's so sort of geographically spread out, maybe it doesn't always uh, resonate. So I think what you guys are doing is awesome because you're kind of introducing uh, everybody to what, what, you know, what's going on in the other parts. And, uh, you know, the yeah. two things I think about are, um, you know, New Hampshire is an interesting place in New England because it's kind of got that libertarian thing going on. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that sort of, you know, the theme is live free or die. And, you know, there's no, no state income tax. So there are a lot of people either for political or for tax reasons, you know, who work in Massachusetts who live in New Hampshire. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of that, those same elements in, in West Virginia, right? It's sort of like, you know, I want to live the way I want to live. I want to be outside. I want to hunt deer. I want to have a gun. Um, but, you know, I, you know, I'm not, I'm welcome. I'm welcoming. And I think that's, that's what right. we've found that, that people are really welcoming. And then the other thing I would say is this tagline we've been playing with, which is, you know, West Virginia wellness or wellness in West Virginia, which is, you know, there's sort of this dichotomy of like, you know, people think of West Virginians a lot and say, well, you know, maybe it's, it, I don't, I, I don't know statistically, but I think it's one of the least, less healthy states in the country. Um, but yet there's so much activity, there are so many things to do in West Virginia that are inherently healthy. So, um, you know, I think just the idea of sort of positioning West Virginia a little bit differently, I think is, is honest. And I think is really, could be really interesting. So. There is a, a deep rabbit hole of reasons why we could get into that is not for this episode, though. So, Tim, <laughs> thanks for jumping yeah, you guys on should also, The last thing, guys, you should uh, you should get either Jonathan or Tommy Price or Chip Perfect on and talk to those guys about what they've done. Oh, we'd love to. Yeah. They're, uh, they're such nice people. And uh, the story about their mountain, I won't share it, but they're, uh, the, the scary they have in Indianapolis would blow your mind. Just, you know, 
statistics. So they're really nice okay. guys. I'll, I'll, I'll connect to them. Yeah, no, awesome. hey, we would love it. And just a quick shout out to Blake Nelson, who again, who introduced yeah. us. So, yeah. so, so thank you so much, Tim. Look, this what has a nice been great, man. Yeah, hey, no, this, is, your time. this has been awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Tim. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode with Tim Haig. The Mountaineer Media Podcast is producer Mason Jack, co-host Cooper Zimmerman, and the other co-host myself, CJ Harvey. So thank you guys for tuning in. Special thanks to all of our bloggers, Joe Justice, Shannon Stowers, Jessica Riggins, Catherine Allen, Travis Kale, Laura Jackson-Roberts, and Mackenzie Holdren. You can find all of their great work over on our website, mountaineermedia.org. Another special thanks to Blake Nelson, who connected us with Tim to get this episode up and running. So send us a guest recommendation if you want to shout out here on the pod, because if we have that person on, we'll make sure to give you the credit in front of our entire podcast audience. And we will be very appreciative of you reaching out to us as well. So please jump on those guest recommendations, send them our way. Make sure to check out our website, like I previously mentioned, mountaineermedia.org. We've got several great items, not just on the blog that you need to read, but also in the shop, including our Escape to West Virginia merchandise, which is pretty sweet, so hop on it now. Make sure to sign up for our newsletter, too, where you'll be able to get monthly discount codes for merchandise in the store and updates on all of the happenings of Mountaineer Media. You can also find us on TikTok, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you can slide into our Gmail DMs, also known as emailing us at mountaineermediapodcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you guys, so shoot us a DM, a note, anything, a pat on the back, a guest recommendation. We love connecting with you guys from all of our various avenues, so hope to hear from you soon. We'll be back again this time next week, Thursday, March 24th. We'll see you then. Peace. Peace.